Hi, and welcome to another edition of the Cancer Now What Vodcast. My name is Jenny, and I am very excited to be joined in studio today by Dr. Henry Lee, medical oncologist with Arizona Center for Cancer Care, and Dr. Naraj Singh, colon and rectal surgeon of Colon and Rectal Care Center of Phoenix. We are going to be talking about a very important uh, topic today, March being Colon Cancer Awareness Month, and I hope you will get as much out of this as I'm sure we all will. Hello, Dr. Singh and Dr. Lee. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here today. Um, If you would just take a minute to introduce yourselves to our audience, Dr. Singh, I'll let you go first. Yeah, thank you, Jenny. Uh, My name is Niraj Singh, and I'm a board-certified general and colorectal surgeon, and I've been in the practice in Phoenix for since 2011. And um, I'm an independent practitioner. Uh, I work a lot of, uh, you know, with the colon cancer patients on a daily basis, involved in a lot of screening and in the surgical aspect. Um, And I'm more than happy to be here. Thank you very much for inviting me. Great. Thank you. And Dr. Lee, can you introduce yourself to our audience, please? I'm Dr. Henry Lee. I'm with uh, Arizona Center for Cancer Care. I've been in Arizona for about 20 years or so. Joined the Arizona Center for Cancer Care since last year. Um, I'm board certified uh, and specialize in solid tumors, uh, such as colon cancers. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, of course. Thank you both so much for being here. So we've got a couple of old pros in the house, not newbies to the scene. I've been practicing uh, in this in this cancer space for quite some time, so I'm excited that we get the opportunity to pick your brain about the, around this stuff. It's very important. Thank you. Yep. So March, right, is Colon Cancer Awareness Month, right? You see everybody's in blue, right? It's That's the color. Um, people are talking about screening. Um, I'll start with you, Dr. Singh, as a um, colon surgeon. What is it about colon cancer that is so important that we create this awareness that we have a March Awareness Month for it? So basically, the uh, one of the reasons is that the incidence of colon cancer, uh, even though the incidence in the younger population it's actually on the rise and um, we have reduced the incidence in actually the elderly population uh, from the screening so screening is one of the best modality i think colon cancer screening is i think one of the best modality which has been seen and has been shown to have effectiveness in reducing the incidence of colon cancer Um, and march uh, was chosen and you know dress in blue take care of the patients, just to aware patients. And one of the important things about the colon cancer is is the third common, I think is the third common. Yes, yeah. third common. Third common. And the important thing about it is that it's equally prevalent in the males and females. So unlike some other cancers, so this is like very important cancer. And the good thing about this cancer is if detected early, it's 100% curable. Mm, okay. So we are trying to make sure that the people are aware what they can do to prevent this cancer from happening. And if it's detected early, then they shouldn't be worrying about and it's 100% curable in early stages. Okay. So the reason then, if I'm hearing you correctly, is that we really want to make sure there's awareness so that people go and get their screening so that you guys can take care of it sooner rather than later. Absolutely. And this is the colon cancer screening has been shown to be one of the best screening modalities 
in the you know which has been discovered in the human mankind i'll say okay so when you say screening you're talking about colonoscopy you're ta- like what what are the screenings that we need to be doing so there are a lot of modalities of the screening uh, colonoscopy is still the gold standard uh, the advantage being that it's a screening as well as it's a diagnostic and it's a therapeutic um, like if there are polyps seen during the colonoscopy, they can be removed at the same time. So it's uh, totally, you know, we are curing those cancers which are going to happen in future. Mm. So that's one of the best modalities still. Uh, if you're healthy, any anybody above 45 is the best modality that's available. The risks are very, very low compared to the benefits. There are other modalities, of course. There's there's some blood test and there's a stool test. There are actually few few types of stool test. One is the DNA type test. Other is the blood, which detects just the blood. And now there is a new actually test that you just take the blood samples. So all those modalities are effective in a range from like anywhere from 50 to 90 percent. Um, one of the colon, uh, the stool test, which is very effective. Uh, that can be almost same detection up to 92%. Uh, but again, uh, they are very good screening test, but the distinct thing with the colonoscopy is that they can, if there is a positive test, then you have to go for a colonoscopy again. I see, I see, okay. Uh, but so you're going anyway, you might as well go for the colonoscopy. Yeah, yeah, it's still a gold standard, but again, if patients I tell the patients, if you don't want to have any test because you're scared about colonoscopy, then at least have a stool test uh, because you you don't want to miss anything. It's yeah. a very simple, straightforward test, and it's very quick. That makes sense. Dr. Lee, let me ask you. So are you seeing um, more colon cancers in younger people than you did before, or is it still the older people? What are What is your practice showing you? Yes, I think that is true, even though the incidence of cancers are going down in overall populations. Incidence of colon cancer in younger uh, pa- patients are going up in a way a, a bit. Uh, we don't know. It, it could be the diet changes, genetic changes, or some of those things related. So we are seeing some of those changes now, so we have to come up with a, maybe a better therapy to treat these younger patients. We believe that cancer in younger patients are slightly different from the, those of uh, older patients. Okay. And so there's been a lot of, and I'm asking you both, hopefully you'll have my answer here. Um, It used to be 50, right? When you have to go get a colonoscopy and then they recently changed it, right? So is it 45 now? Is that the new um, age that they're recommending the screening? Is that correct? Yeah, you're correct. 45 is the new 50 now. Yeah, that happened to me right when I turned 45. They changed it, and I thought I had five years left, and all of a sudden I needed to go get screened. Yeah, that's so. true. And <laughs> most of the uh, societies, like uh, you know, American Society of Colorectal Center Surgery that I deal with, they have approved it. Forty-five American Society of Gastroenterology. So most of the societies they have changed their recommendations, and uh, but I think uh, there are some insurance companies that they are still considering screening to be started at fifty, but I think. Within very short time, things are changing. So, like, I think 45 is the standard now recommendation by physicians, by all the societies. Um, so, is that what you're? That is correct. Yeah. Uh, a few years ago, you know, when I was practicing a while back, it used to be 50, but both the American Cancer Society and U.S. Preventive Task Force 
uh, recommended start at 45 because we're missing a lot of incidence of colon cancer in younger populations. So I think this is a better way to do it. Great. That's helpful. So I definitely need to get that scheduled is what you're saying, even though I'm not 50. If you're at 45, then. <laughs> uh, yes, I am. Um, so, Dr. Lee, what are the symptoms and um, things that people might be feeling if they haven't had screened early? What, what, what are some symptoms of uh, colon cancer? So it's because of the uh, tumor growth in the uh, intestine can cause bleeding, um, Blood loss can cause weakness and fatigue. Uh, not only that, it can cause pain and discomfort, cramping, uh, feeling of discomfort, and also um, some irregular bowel habits. It could be continued diarrhea, uncontrolled diarrhea, could be constipation, irregular bowel habits, I would say. Those are typical symptoms. And if a patient is having those symptoms, is it fair to think that the cancer is progressed, or is it, could it still be in an early stage if you're having those symptoms? I think it could still be in early stages because we don't know what's causing this. People could certainly have irritable bowel syndrome, Crohn's disease, or upset stomach for whatever reason that may be. Certainly seek uh, care, primary care with a gastroenterologist to, to go through a colonoscopy. Great. That's helpful because I think that people automatically think the worst when they have any of those symptoms. It doesn't mean it's necessarily cancer, um, but they should still get help and, and checked out. Right. So let's say that we have our hypothetical patient who um, does get diagnosed with colon cancer. Is the first stop to the medical oncologist or is it to the gastroenterologist? Is it to the surgeon? Dr. Lee, what do you typically see? How does that work? So most cancers are diagnosed via colonoscopy through a uh, gastroenterologist or sometimes colorectal surgeons. They follow some of those patients too. Once they're diagnosed, then I think they come to me for an opinion for treatment options and discussion of possible treatment uh, uh, modalities. So they, I think once they're diagnosed, then they come to me and to, to discuss treatments. Okay. And what is involved in those treatments, right? Like, so you kind of play the quarterback, right? You say, yes. okay, we need to um, consider this, radiation, surgery, chemo, like whatever it might be. Um, what are the different reasons why you would steer someone in those different directions? So we uh, depend on staging of the cancer at this point. So we divide into four stages, stage one through four. Stage one, we determine aggressiveness of a cancer based on the uh, thickness, depth of invasion of the cancer. So you get stage one, T1, T2, into the muscle. So then you would just do surgery alone. You would refer to colorectal surgeon, Dr. Niraj Singh, and you would do surgery alone. You would probably have a 90 plus chance of a cure at that point. You don't need a additional therapy at that point. Stage two, now it's through the muscularis layer, T3 area. So you again need surgery to resect that tumor. And in certain cases with high-risk cases, you may consider uh, chemotherapy. Stage three, now this uh, cancer has left the uh, colon wall, moved to lymph nodes. This is more aggressive at that point. You still need a surgery at that point, and then you need what they call adjuvant chemotherapy. Cancer is removed, yet you need, because of high risk of cancer relapse, recommend six months of typically additional chemotherapy at that point. And stage four, chemotherapy or surgery versus what our condition of the patient is in, whether it is she's bleeding or whether they are obstructed and 
may, may relieve some kind of uh, bypass surgery that uh, Dr. Cole and Dr. Singh uh, can do, or and we can consider some more systemic therapy, chemo, not only chemo these days, but also we can consider immunotherapy, targeted therapy, many different options out there now. Okay, so stage four means that there are metastases to the other parts to of the other body? other parts of the body, okay. typically liver. Liver, that's where colon cancer likes to go? Yes. Is liver. So if it appears in the liver, it's still colon cancer, right? Yes, because okay. it's... It's uh, started from the colon. That same tissue has now moved, migrated to the liver. So you're going to see the same tissue that's in the liver that is just like looks like colon tissue. Got it. Okay. So you're treating colon cancer even though it's in the liver at that point. Yes. One thing, though, is that unlike the other cancers like lung cancer or biliary cancer, a colon cancer, when you have just one spot, what they call a solitary metastasis, it can still potentially be cured with combinations of chemotherapy, immunotherapy, or resection. So you can cure a stage four patient that has colon cancer if everything lines up the right way and you know what treatments you're using. And, yes. And that's amazing. That's amazing. That's amazing. That is amazing and so encouraging, right? And so reassuring to so many people. That's really good news. So Dr. Singh, how do you overlap and communicate with the medical oncologist when you're working together on the same patient? Because you don't work in the same building, you don't work for the same practice, you work in the community together and share patients. How does that work? So it works pretty simple. Uh, Dr. Lee has my cell phone number and I have a cell phone number. <laughs> so, uh, no, it's a good question, Jenny. Uh, like many patients, they ask me, oh, you know, uh, mostly they're diagnosed by, like I see them during the colonoscopy or they're sent to me by the gastroenterologist. Uh, it's a basically in the current uh, community practice that we all work. Our goal is to give the best care to the patients. And, you know, and uh, one of the things we do in our practice is we run tumor boards. Um, and the tumor board, like I work in the Honor Health Hospital system, so is Dr. Lee and so are you. We see we run a tumor board uh, for all the six hospitals. Like every two weeks we have a tumor board. And we discuss all these colon cancer patients, especially the, they're more complex patients. And there will be a group of oncologists, they're surgeons. So the goal is to give a, uh, it's like a multi-specialty and also um, give the best care to the patient. So we have more physicians, more brains working to see what, what can be offered to the patient. Uh, but again, uh, we have a different role. Like once they see Dr. Lee, they... Uh, work on like staging them, doing a CT scan, there are certain blood tests that need to be done. And I do my part, like make sure that they are able to undergo, they get ready for surgery, they are fit for surgery. Um, you know, patients have a lot of medical problems. They have, they are not, everybody's healthy. And we have to, especially in the younger patients, we have to do genetic testing. Uh, so it's a very, it's a more complex uh, kind of a, uh, I'll say to handle like how to simultaneously cure the patient at the same time. Um, so I think it's uh, we we kind of a talk almost every day for all our patients. And so like if um, you know we say okay you know this patient is no metastatic disease this has metastatic disease so we can kind of a give them the fastest care. Uh, you know if they're ready for surgery we just make sure they're. Like uh, simultaneously, multiple things are done. It's very stressful for patients sometimes. And they complain, oh, why do I have to see 
uh, the oncologist, why do I have to see a primary care doctor, like, you know, you're doing surgery, but again, we want to make sure that they're able to undergo surgery. They don't have anything we miss. So I think both of us have a different role in making the patient to their cure. That's the eventual goal, uh, whether with the medical management or with the surgical management or a combination of both. That's the eventual goal. So we work in our field and we overlap and we kind of make sure the communication, we communicate with each other. Stay close. Stay close Stay and very give close. the best care to the patients. It's amazing. Yeah. Amazing. And it's all, it's my understanding that you all use a HIPAA compliant text format, right? Like there have been developments in this, so you're not just using your cell phones to talk about. That's correct. Hypertext, yeah. uh, we're using that frequently now. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. And then we use the hospital records. We communicate through our, you know, the faxes, which are HIPAA compliant and the office records. So we kind of have, we have different HIPAA compliant modalities of, you know. And you also have each other on speed dial. Yeah, absolutely. I think yeah. it's important to note that uh, now it is difficult to manage these things by yourself. You need to have a more multimodality, multidisciplinary, comprehensive care. So we all can chip in and what, what patients should be managed. So it's a, a comprehensive approach to patient care to offer the what's best out there now. I think this is kind of standard right now out there. So if you don't have something like that, you should come to uh, these institutions where they have such a uh, multimodality treatment yeah. options. I love the, um, I've actually been lucky enough to be a fly on the wall in tumor boards before. And it's really amazing to see the, um, the way that the physicians are interacting right. and the way that, um, the, you know, they've got the scans there and pathologies in the right. room and um, radiologies in the room and all the different medical specialists and surgical specialists are in the room. And just having an open dialogue about how to help the people that are being presented. And they don't just talk about the medical aspect of that human. They talk about who they are as a person, right. what their history is, what do they have a family, um, do they live locally, is it going to be hard for them to get to treatment. So I just, I, I love that um, that is so important to both you're of right. you in the way that you're treating your patients. Because I've seen firsthand that it's, it's, it's a whole person approach, you're which right. is great. You're right. Which is great. Now, one thing which I think want to uh, add, which is very, very important. Now, colon, we say is uh, like in the human body, there's like a small bowel and the large bowel. Mm -hmm. So colon is a part of the large bowel. So we are talking about the large bowel cancers. Now, large bowel has two parts. One is the colon, which is almost 90% of the bowel, large bowel. Then 10% of the part is rectum, which is also the same. The cancers are uh, treated in the same part, um, which is almost last 15 to 20 centimeter of your uh, large bowel okay. above your anus. That's called rectum. Okay. Uh, now, the, there is both the diagnostic modalities for both is same. Colonoscopy or by the stool test, there's no difference. The screenings are same. Uh, but the treatment for both is very different. Um, how they're diagnosed, and uh, and you know, Dr. Lee can also mention. Uh, basically, in the rectal cancers, if they are treated, uh, you know, there is they treated in like in a little different way than the colon cancers. One of the difference is that because these cancers can be very close to your anus, um, you know. And we always like uh, patients come to me, you know, 
normally we all talk about you know kind of a like how we defecate how we kind of do our routine but it becomes very important for patients that they want to save their anus uh, nobody wants a colostomy bag nobody wants to have a permanent bag so that you know which is everybody's scared of that so one of the modalities in the rectal cancer is that those patients are also treated with the radiation which we do not give for colon cancer and like we try to do sphincter sparing surgery which i'll talk a little bit later but radiation and chemotherapy giving them early is a very very important modality in the rectal cancers um, which we don't use in the colon cancers. So when we talk about the colon cancer screening, it means colon and rectal. So the combination of both is called large bowel. So I just wanted to make sure that we tell our patients that there is a little difference in the treatment for both. No, that's super important. Thank you for clarifying that. That's yeah. very important for sure. Um, speaking of the treatments, um, and I... And, you, and I would love for you to speak to this for colon and rectal cancers. Um, what are from, I mean, do surgical treatments change much over time or you're cutting it out, right? Like that's the job. Um, I know that there's, from a medical standpoint, changes in the treatments that you have grown to use over the years. But from a surgical standpoint, I mean, robotics have entered the scene. Yeah. What's what's new and exciting in, in the world of, uh, colon cancer and rectal cancer surgery? Yeah, that's a good question, Jenny. And like in the past, when I was trained, uh, we used to do all the surgeries like laparoscopically or, you know, very few we did open. But over the last 10 years, things have changed. We are doing a lot of robotic surgery. Robotic is a similar way to do a, it's similar to laparoscopic. It's a minimally invasive way uh, so many patients ask, oh, is, is Robert going to do surgery? That's not the case. Robert is just a machine. It's just like you're driving a car, but you still, there's no automatic, you know, autopilot cars yet. You still have need a driver. Mm -hmm. So surgeons are still the drivers. So the steering is in, still in my hand. It's just a tool that we use. Uh, and one of the biggest advantages of this robotic surgery is to, so the patients recover very fast. Um, so that they go back to their normal life in the community, go back to the home, go back to their families as soon as they recover. In the past, like we used to have the surgeries in the like you know minimum, like a major way, like open surgeries or laparoscopic. People used to stay in the hospital for seven to ten days. Oh, wow! And then um, it will increase the cost of stay. There was more risk of infections. But now with the minimally invasive method, one of the major advantages, they go home fast. Like I do surgery, most of the patients go home on like between day one to three after the surgery. And many patients, like I had one time, uh, I sent the patient home at night, same day. Wow. Um, and, That's you amazing. Know, yeah. They can be in their own bed. Yeah, they can be on their bed. And wow. like, uh, like I sometimes am worried about the patients. And the next day I come and patients say like, oh, I'm ready to go home. And I said like, you just had two hour, three hour surgery yesterday. So it is. it has made a huge difference. Uh, obviously the technique is same, we are doing the same surgery, but it's a different modality. Mm -hmm. And the goal is to kind of uh, give the patients back to their life, like they can go back to their family sooner. And that has a big impact on the recovery, because they're all scared in the hospital. 
um, you know, it's actually a win-win for everybody, That's even great. the hospital, the patients, the families, everybody's happy. You know? That's wonderful. That's yeah. wonderful. And what about in the medical oncology world? What has changed in treatments for colon cancer over the years? And, and what are we excited about on the forefront? So it used to be that just we do chemotherapy for everybody. Just you give something to stop the rest growth, not stop growth, whether that's a normal tissue or colon tissue or cancer tissue. Now we're trying to figure out, we're asking ourselves why, what's causing this cancer? What's driving this cancer to grow? Trying to analyze tissue and then send it for us testing for biomarkers, molecular testing, next-gen sequencing, all these things to find out it's already being used now in some of the other cancer modalities, some mutations that drive the cancer, then use a drug to block it. So we're starting to use some of that right now in colon cancer, already implementing that in lung cancer. So we're trying to find out the biology of the cancer, trying to be smart about it. Instead of using chemotherapy for everybody, instead we're using, if the cancer is developed because of a certain mutation, certain cause, what if we just stop that part of it, not just give chemotherapy for everybody? Would that be worthwhile? We're, so we're finding a little more and more about it each time, so we have a little more knowledge about this. So we're using some of that right now, but still it's very early stages of this treatment modality. <coughs> but we're doing a lot of um, more uh, molecular testing instead of just doing a pathology report and, and uh, biomarkers and, again, next-gen sequencing. That's great. So it sounds like there's a lot of um, exciting things on the forefront and that cancer patients in the, in the colon cancer uh, space are, there's a lot of options and a lot of things that you can do to help them and potentially even cure them. So that's, that's really good to hear. So what, um, I'm going to ask you both the same question. So I'm going to let Dr. Singh go first. So you get a minute to think about your answer, Dr. Lee. Um, what are the most common questions that patients with colon cancer ask you? So that's a good question. And uh, I think, uh, uh, like I'll tell you, when the patients, they're diagnosed, they come to my office, uh, the first thing many of them, they're thinking that they got a death sentence. It's, it's a very scary for a patient to have to hear that word cancer. And um, many times they come and, you know, they say like they are very nervous, they are very afraid that what's going to happen. Uh, kind of the first thing we tell them, okay, you know, this is a very curable cancer as long as it's in early stages and most of the time it is very curable. Um, and kind of a make sure they're assured and they kind of a, like they know what's going to happen. Then everybody, the second question they ask, when I'm going to get surgery, when they come to me. And I explained them, as Dr. Lee mentioned, the first thing we have to do is the staging for them. Um, as Dr. Lee mentioned, and there are four stages of cancer. So the staging workup involves like the blood work. There's a test called a CEA, carcinoembryonic antigen. And then also we check their normal blood work, make sure they're not anemic. And then, um, you know, if I'm working with Dr. Lee, we are working together. And then we'll make sure that we do a scanning for them, um, staging CT scan. They are scanned from all the way from chest to abdomen, uh, make sure they don't have any metastatic disease. <clears throat> and also for the rectal cancers, there is other thing we do. It's called a MRI, uh, magnetic resonance imaging test. And I tell them that this is a test we only do for the rectal cancers. And that is because their proximity 
close to the sphincter muscles so that I can tell them that what's the chance that I can save their sphincter. Um, and also, like based on the depth of the cancer, whether they need a chemotherapy or radiation treatment. So I do explain them that every cancer, like anybody who comes to me, it doesn't mean that I'm going to do surgery tomorrow. It is a process. It's like we have to do staging. We have to make sure they're okay to undergo that surgery. Each colon cancer, rectal cancer surgery average, it takes about, like I'll say, 90 minutes to three to four hours based on their extent of the disease, based on the location. Um, so they have to be medically fit and, you know, make sure I tell them do not smoke. If they are smoking, stop smoking. It is very, very kind of a risk of infection the patients can have that I tell them, I tell them to stop drinking or if they're taking any other drugs that they shouldn't be, uh, they should not be doing all that. And also I tell them make sure they start eating more healthy diet, more protein in the diet. I tell them to take omega-3 fatty acids, um, which also has been shown to have improved effect on the wound healing and their outcomes. So whenever the patient comes, I do explain, and I, one thing they want to know is the surgery, and I do tell them surgery is the last thing. You have to be ready for that, and you know we have to do all this workup before we finally reach there. And it usually takes about average two to three weeks to do all that workup, unless we see patients sometimes they're in advanced stage or if they, like, if they have a blockage or if they're bleeding severely, then I do always admit them in the hospital um, so that they can be taken care of in a very quick and fast way. Sure. Um, and, you know, we can expedite their cure. But, right. but otherwise, I tell them that if we have two, three weeks' time, we do all this workup, usually the colon cancers do not grow that fast over a month or two months. Um, it, like average from a polyp to cancer, um, it takes about 10 years. Wow. So that's why the normal colonoscopy frequency is 10 years if you do not have any polyps. Um, that's like polyp, we call it the adenoma to cancer sequence. That's how your genes work. Uh, but if you have polyps, those patients do get colonoscopy more frequently every five years or three years or one year. That's based on the size of the polyps, based on the number of the polyps. So, But one other thing is once they have a cancer, Usually, it doesn't grow that fast that within two, three, four weeks that they will be like, and most patients, I tell them, just don't panic, relax, we are here to take care of you, and I'll take care of you. So that's, that's actually helps a lot. That's good. That's really yeah. good to hear. Yeah. What are they asking you, Dr. Lee? What are some of the most common questions that patients are, are asking when, when you get them in your clinic? First, uh, they're afraid, concerned. First question that most people ask is, am I going to live? Am I going to survive this? Mm -hmm. So we assure them because of the widely available colonoscopy preventive measures, we get detected early enough that most people have stage, early stage cancers, stage one, two, or three. So we assure them that they're going to be okay. They're not going to die tomorrow. I have to put them at ease, comfort them first. And then they're going to, they ask, what's my life going to be afterwards? Is it going to be the same? Am I going to be a different person afterwards? In most cases, they're going to be fine, even though they go through surgeries, resection of stage one, stage two, even in stage three. They, they, do, they do fine. They don't have any problems afterwards. They can almost have to go back to a normal life they were where they were before. In stage three, they have to go through a series of chemotherapy now. The other things they worry about is colonos, col colostomy back. They don't like to have this colostomy back. That's where we come in and have a 
companies are meeting together to, to discuss with Dr. Singh about how we're going to manage this. Is that temporary? Is that permanent? Can we do this chemotherapy first? Can they be reversed? Can they have that removed so they can move the bowel in a regular way? So quality of life is important to them. That's what they ask for. My life's going to be the same afterwards. Um, I think it's important, like he said, to, uh, to prevent cancer. It takes about 10 years to develop go from a polyp to a, a, a cancer at that point. So cells develop slowly over time. It's important to get the colonoscopies at age 45, 10 years every, uh, thereafter, to pick up early so you can have early stages, one and two and three, you can most likely cure these cancers. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Thank you. Well, you guys definitely have your work cut out for you every day. Thank you so much for all you do um, for colon and rectal cancer patients and for other oncology patients, Dr. Lee, that I know you're seeing in your clinic every day as well. Anything last minute that you'd like to add before we wrap up? Yeah, uh, I think I would just like to add, especially with this screening, we are working and make sure this is the March, is the Colon Cancer Awareness Month. And uh, I'll tell the patients, obviously, 45 is the age, 45 is new 50, and uh, we are here to save your butt. <laughs> um, Noted. That's, Got it. That, okay. and, uh, and there's it's colonoscopy, and or if they don't like colonoscopy, they can go and talk to their primary care physicians that they can go for a stool test, but at least get it screened, get yourself screened. It's very simple. And uh, it's a very curable cancer, and you know, it's early early stages. If it's detected, it's like 100% curable. You know, we see patients. I have one patient, which I treated 10 years ago. He had a stage four cancer, as Dr. Lee mentioned, and uh, you know, very good medical treatment. They're still in the like in the life. They're living their life. That's wonderful. That's yeah. wonderful. Great advice. Thank you. Yeah. Anything else you want to emphasize before we wrap you up? You can do something to reduce your risk of colon cancer. That is exercise, watch mm -hmm. what you eat, reduce red meat consumption, as well as processed meat. And if you have bad habits like smoking and drinking, you need to stop. And most importantly, do colonoscopy at age 45. Very good advice. Not hard to do any of those things. Thank you so much. Thank you both so much for being here and sharing this with us today. We really appreciate it. And thank you so much to our audience for joining us today. If you would like more information on Dr. Singh, you can go to www.colonrectaldoc.com. Or if you'd like more information on Dr. Lee, you can go to arizonaccc.com. Thanks so much, and we'll see you again soon.